Yo! Welcome to this world I was so loud. Welcome to the 10th, yes, the 10th episode of Killinoy with Bird and Cal. This is your boy, Bird, and as always, Cam. Cam, how you doing? I'm good. I'm actually a little disappointed since you recently told me my catchphrase, do the damn things from a stupid-ass TV show. Well, I, I, I hate to be a buzzkill. Well, I mean, look, we... We 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 got we got to do a new catchphrase to. Well, gotta, my other one was pretty good. Be there or get killed, bitches. Yeah, like yeah, you like you had it the first couple of us. I was like the first the first Instagram post. I was like, oh okay, she's got something going on. And like you just thought he's you know, yeah, we're gonna do the no, damn I thing. Know. I'm just so used to saying let's do the damn thing. I forgot about my main motto, which is be there or be killed, bitches. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess that I'm can, trying to make it family friendly. Oh fuck that! See right there, like oh no, this is we we talk about murder. How the hell can that be family friendly? Like you never know. Oh, family sits around and listens to our awesome freaking podcast. Yes, yeah, so we talk about blood spatter and cheating and violence and exactly. all that fun shit. So we are, like I said in the beginning, we are at episode ten. Can you believe that? Yeah. We are in episode fucking 10. Who would have thought, like, a couple months ago, you can't, you just hit me up on a random snap, like, yo, we need to do a podcast, and fast forward, we're in 10 episodes, so we really got this, uh, podcast. Yeah, here we are. Yeah. We have a freaking podcast. We, it's so cool. I love it. I'm podcast matters. Hey, hey, I was just looking yesterday at, like, CrimeCon next, next year in June, and Nolan's, like... We, we, we got, we oh got my a, god, we've been wanting to go so badly. Yeah, we gonna we probably gonna have to pull our resources uh, to, to go to that we'll shit. We'll have to but, that. Oh yeah, that's gonna be money and then some. But we, be fun. we got That'll a really, <laughs> most stuff, but we have a really, really special episode. Obviously, it's the 10th one, twofer. so we gotta, we gotta do a twofer. This is just only one part. And, and it's quite, and I was surprised, like, I didn't, when we when we first got down to actually discuss what we was gonna do and we were brainstorming all the murders in Illinois, obviously we talked about H H Holmes and John Wayne Gacy, and this name really slipped, I guess, in both of our heads. And like, it wasn't until I was at I was at the store a week ago, and I'm looking at the tabloids, and they're talking about Scott Peterson's gay death row lover and right from there the first thing that came on my mind was like holy shit we haven't done a drew peterson episode <laughs> and, i didn't even think he i don't know why i didn't make the connection about him in illinois for some reason i thought it was somewhere else no like and, and as as like and we'll get into later especially in the second part like i remember in high school not yeah was it high school yeah it was high school when every senior year Mm, oh no! This was like ten years. Maybe your senior? No, it's definitely not my junior year. Yeah, this was uh like the media coverage was like, oh my god, we were freshmen in high school, and the murder actually the murder that we we're gonna be profiling in the first part that happened when we were just we were in middle school when that when that transpired. So. It, you know, it doesn't seem like a long time, but, like, I kind of remember that really vividly, and, like, they, it was everywhere. You could not escape that shit. Like, I remember, like, I would come home after school, 
And I always come on right before, right when Jeopardy ended, and they will always lead in new details on the Drew Peterson case. What his attorney says, moron far. And I was just so fucking like, you couldn't escape it. And it got to the point, like, my mom's like, I can't watch this shit anymore. She turned to Dr. Phil, and of course, Dr. Phil's showing this shit. So, like, <laughs> it was everywhere. It was everywhere. It was. It was huge. And I, 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 that's why I can't believe it slipped our mind. Like, everybody was talking about it. Yeah. I like to say it's one of the first, uh, first, more more along the lines of a social media internet case kind of thing. One of the first ones I would say that. Yeah, because it, like the it happened in the advent of we're talking about two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight. This is when MySpace kind of ruled the roost, and Facebook was coming up. Oh, uh, and tagged. I think that was for more black people. Shout out tag, but. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you Negroes are doing in that one, but um, that said, uh, b- before that we do it, you gotta gotta hit our good people with the disclaimer. I did. Hello, everybody. We love that you're listening to us, but I do want to remind you guys that what we are reporting are facts that we found um, through multiple different sources. If any of these facts are incorrect in any way shape or form please let us know you can contact us in multiple different ways you can hit us up on the the page of facebook at killinois with bird and cam you can email us at killinoispodcast at gmail.com again it's killinoispodcast at gmail.com if you can't spell it it's literally illinois with the k in front of it yeah you can't spell Um, it you you know we can't yeah finally hit us up with um on instagram as well let us know what's going on. Um, that's Killinois with Bird and Cam, um, at Killinois Podcast. And, yeah, if we say anything incorrectly, defendant or, you know, um, the murderer, um, please let us know. Let us fix it so we can update everyone with the correct facts. Fuck yeah. So, that being said. Are going to do what? Gonna do what <laughs> we should continue onward with our podcast. Oh, that's just so anticlimactic. And if you're not listening to this, no, that doesn't work. I can't it doesn't do work. It, it goes to the end, but you know what? You know what, Cam, since you don't want to do it, are you ready to do the damn thing? I'm ready to do the hey, damn thing. Hey, girl. So, Let's do the damn thing. So, that said, we're going to go, we're talking about Drew Peterson. And Drew Walter Peterson was born on January 5th 1954 in Bolingbrook, Illinois, a suburb southwest of Chicago. First off, shout out to the people of Bolingbrook. I got relatives there, uh, hella relatives of that. And it's funny because I always thought of Springfield is pretty much Bolingbrook, only with shittier houses, no sidewalks, and a Capitol building. And that's going to piss off a lot of people in Springfield here, but that's another subject for another day. So in 1972, Drew Peterson graduated from Willowbrook High School in Villa Park, Illinois, where he ran cross country. He joined the U.S. Army after graduation and briefly attended the College of DuPage in 1974 before moving to Falls Church, Virginia, to train as a military police officer. And Peterson had a 30-year career as a police officer. He began working with the local police force in Bolingbrook, Illinois in 1977. In 1978, he was assigned to the Metropolitan Area Narcotics Squad, and in 1979, received the Police Officer of the Year Award from the department. You know what they call DuPage, UCLA, University closest to Lambert Avenue? (laughs) (laughs) That's an ongoing joke in my high school. (laughs) Bruh. (laughs) um, Sorry about that, I had to put that in there. um, P. 
Peterson and Carol Brown uh, met in high school in Villa Park, and together uh, they attended his senior prom. They actually married in 1974, but divorced in 1980. And this was after Brown learned about his infidelity. And this would be a reoccurring thing for Peterson. And so to be on guard for that, together they had two sons, uh, Stephen Paul Peterson and Eric Drew Peterson. Peterson actually married his second wife, Victoria, Vicky as his, or her friends call her, um, Connolly. In 1982, the, the two operated a bar together in Romeoville. And this is the first place and the first time that we really get a documented account, um, pretty much to another side of Peterson. Years later, Connolly alleged uh, that Peterson hit her, but never hard enough to leave evidence, just enough to enact, quote-unquote, mind games. Um, Connolly further claimed that Peterson bugged their house with recording devices, and they, he taped their conversations, and he wanted to make sure she wasn't doing anything he deemed she shouldn't be doing. Uh, Those were quotes, too. Jesus Christ. So, and, it, you got it? Go on, go. Oh, okay, we no, could rock, rock, paper, scissors, but... <laughs> Next time. <laughs> Next time. There we go. In addition, Lisa Ward, Connolly's daughter, had alleged that she suffered 10 years, 10 years of physical and mental abuse from Peterson throughout her mother's marriage to him. And Peterson, for his part, had denied has denied all of these accusations. But if that isn't disturbing enough, Connolly further claimed that Peterson repeatedly said that he knew exactly how to kill her and how to make it look like an accident. So... Again, that's another thing that we guys... I mean, I say that all the time. I just gotta let people know where they stand in my book, you know? Yeah, but I mean, (laughs) you're not 5-0, and like, you're not trained to actually kill, so say. So, and, and again, Drew cheated, and it appeared that the straw had broke the camel's back, and that affair was between Peterson and accountant Kathleen Savio. And not even three months after Connolly and Peterson divorced in February of 1992, he married Savio on May 3rd, 1992. Now, uh, the book Codus Ice that we uh, did the research on, it really kind of nails Peterson's peculiar, if you really want to use that personality, so much as the droll undercover narc that he had once been with the uh, narc squad, and so different from the cops who wore uniforms and badges on their chest for all to see. Peterson revealed in flashing his disconcerting blend of self-deprecation, baldy humor, a wry went a hint of ironic arrogance, effective insensitivity, all overlaying a depth of native, yeah, native. I thought it was a naive shrewdness as to what people were really like. So, in other words, he had you know what we call a really sick, sick sense of humor. Displays something for shocks, and I mean that's something that me and you have. So I mean. That's nothing like... But it was probably, like, in a non-fun, creepy way, you know? Like, mm. we, we like to have fun with it so we don't look like creeps, but then you have the people, like, with the shriveled hand, you know, from the scary movie that you're just like, eh. <laughs> You know, you're just like, eh, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, so, throughout the marriage with Savio, they had two sons, Thomas and Christopher. But, as the case with Connolly... This was a very, very violent union, to say the least. Now, in the book, uh, Codus Ice, there was a very detailed account that was pretty much the microcosm of Peterson's marriage with Savio. According to a Hinsdale 
uh, Hospital Emergency Department. Dated April 28, 1993, Kathleen Peterson was treated after she was involved in an altercation with her husband as she, where she was, quote-unquote, hit in the head with a blunt object. Now, apparently, the blunt object was a dining room table. Now, obviously, as the book's author suggests, and we can agree, it's a snowball's chance in hell that Peterson raised an entire table by one leg and whacked his wife. Unless he got a hold of Hulk Hogan's or Macho Man Randy Savage's medicine bag. Oh, yeah! But more likely, it's a scenario in which Peterson might have shoved Kitty, as her uh, she was called by her uh, close loved ones and friends causing her to hit her head on a table. In other words, it wasn't a table that hit Kathleen, but Kathleen propelled by Peterson was the one who hit the table. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, but that's something we'll get back to. Yeah. During the trial at the end of their marriage in 2000, uh, Peterson met 17-year-old Stacy. Is it Kals? Kals. Kals? Kals. Kals, Kals. It's a C instead of a K, that's why I was throwing yeah. off. Yeah. Um, at that point, Peterson was 46 years old. So, he's about 30 years. Uh, what kind of R. Kelly shit is this? Older. Yeah, that's a little, and she's not even legal yet. So no! But anyways, um, Peterson was 46 years old, and they had two sons in their 20s. Or he had two sons yeah. in his 20s. But they actually started an affair, which is disgusting. And I just want to let you know, ladies... Older men don't find young women attractive. It's because you guys are easy. Except for R. Kelly. And maybe they do, but um, from the a lot of things I've seen, it's just because you guys are easy. But anyways, um, and as you were talking about cold as ice, um, there would be occasions that they would have a sexual relation in the basement of the Peterson's house. At 392 Face, oh, Pheasant. Mm-hmm. You, Pheasant Chase Drive. Something like a peasant or well, pheasant? You said Fez. 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 Ah, I knew that was okay. Space. Um, Chase Drive. And this was while his wife and sons, then nine and eight, were asleep upstairs. Oh. So Drew is really about that smoke. And not only that, he takes about a $200,000 loan to buy another house that was closer to Stacy. Damn, vicious. Dude, scumbag. Oh. Yeah, and then on March 11th, 20, or 2012, or, God, this is so long ago, 2002, 10 years go. ago, from 2012, <laughs> Savio asked for an order of protection against her estranged husband. She claimed that there was physical abuse, harassment, and stalking by him. And Kitty, as friends and family called her, claimed that Peterson had telephoned her and threatened to come to the house at 392 Pheasant uh, Trace Drive to, quote-unquote, deal with her. Hmm. Her husband wanted her dead, and Kitty claimed, and if he has to, he will burn the house down just to shut me up. <sighs> he claimed that Peterson had beaten her on various occasions during their marriage and had generally terrorized her. At one point, she said he actually broke through a deadbolt to get at her. Peterson's access to firearms as well, as well as being a, a police officer, made her very, very scared for her life. So that's a little intimidating. Yeah, so two days later, on March 13, 2002, uh, Kathleen Peter. Oh, 
Drew Peterson was the one who filed for divorce, his third in just over two decades. For his part, Peterson claimed that the respondent, i.e. Kitty, had exhibited extreme and emotional cruelty to him by, quote-unquote, refusing to show plaintiff any attention or affection and refusing to live or cohabitate with the plaintiff, the same guy who buys a $200,000 house for his his side chick. And uh, three, refusing to speak to plaintiff regarding family matters and remaining silent for great periods of time and maintaining an incompatible temperament and that she maintained outward manifestations of insensitivity. Oh, insensit- oh, I'm so terrible with just pronouncing things. Insensitivity. There we go. On those occasions when the plaintiff was in need of counseling and aid. Now, they were married for 11 years and their divorce was finalized on October 10th, 2003. And think about this. Um, when, we was, when we were doing uh, research and one thing that really stuck out between the two of us when we saw this shit and to give you guys a just how bad this relationship was especially towards the end it was reported that between 2002 and 2004 police were called out to the peterson house 18 fucking times 18 times than the age of his mistress (laughs) yeah one year for every year that is crazy Oh my god. That's a lot. That's a lot of fucking shit. Yeah. So as a result as a result of the divorce agreement, Peterson had been granted regular visitation hours with the two sons with Kitty, Tuesday and Thursday evenings and every other weekend from five PM Friday. Every other weekend what? Yeah, every other weekend from Oh shit, sorry. Every other weekend from five to uh five PM Friday to seven PM Sunday. So, let's fast forward to Friday, February 27, 2004. Peterson arrived at the address at 392 Pheasant Chase Drive. That's the house where he picked up the two boys. According to Peterson, Kitty seemed really relaxed. She seemed happy and even made a joke. After she answered the door, Peterson pointed out there was a dead crow on the porch. Probably because you're here, Kitty told him. Peterson and the boys left for a regular, their regular scheduled week visitation. And Peterson had the idea that Kitty was getting ready to go on a date, he later said. So back at Six Pheasant Chase Court, Peterson's new house, which was only a half mile away, that dirty dog him, Peterson and the boys stayed in with Stacy, their infant son Anthony, and Peterson's son Steve from his first marriage, along with Steve's girlfriend. Like, I know, right? And at the time, according to reporter Derek Armstrong, Stephen and his girlfriend was living at the Sixth Feasant Chase Courthouse with Drew, Stacy, and baby Anthony. And according to Armstrong, Peterson told him that the group had spent Friday and Saturday night, that those two nights, eating popcorn, playing video games and table tennis, and going to see a movie at a local theater. And meanwhile, around that same time frame, uh, Kitty had a telephone conversation with her romantic partner, Steve Minacci. They had spent Friday evening and possibly part of Saturday together, and again, according to Armstrong, had some sort of dispute. But late Saturday or Sunday morning, February 29, 2004, Kitty had called Minacci and asked him if he wanted to come visit her at the house at 392 Feasant Chase Drive. Minacci, according to Armstrong, declined, saying he was tired, and this would be the last time that anyone was documented to have ever spoken to Kitty alive. Hmm. 
interesting. Yeah. On Sunday, Peterson and his two boys went to the Shedd Aquarium in Chicago, along with maybe possibly Stacy. There was evidence from Stacy, Steve Peterson, Steve Peterson's girlfriend, and the two boys, Thomas and Christopher, that Drew Peterson was present at the Sixth Season Chase Course courthouse on Sunday morning prior to the trip to the shed. And he was with his two sons all day in Chicago. That evening, Peterson arrived back at Kitty's address. And what he was doing was returning the custody of Thomas and Christopher. He rang the bell and he said later, but no one answered the door. Believing that Kitty had for some reason been delayed, perhaps off with her boyfriend, Minachi. What was it, Minachi? Minachi. Minachi. Cool, I said it right. He drove the boys back to his house. The following day, Monday 1st, or Monday, March 1st, 2004, Pearson stated he, a regular uniform patrol shift, that he started at Bolingbroke Police at about 5 p.m. So according to his account to Armstrong, uh, Peterson had called Kitty several times Sunday night and apparently on Monday, leaving quote-unquote bitchy messages each time, criticizing her for her failure to be available to reclaim her scheduled custody of both their sons, but was unable to reach her. Around 7 p.m., um, on that Monday, the uniformed Peterson pulled up in his marked police cruiser in front of the uh, house on 392 Pizant Chase Drive. Growing concern of his ex-wife's whereabouts, he enlisted the help of neighbors to do a welfare check at the Peterson house. One of the neighbors, in entering the house, found that the door was unlocked. The neighbors searched the area before going up the stairs where she would find a shocking discovery in that it was the lifeless body of Kathleen Savio in her bathtub, dead. As Codis Ice documented the following, uh, the next thing Peterson heard was shrieking from inside the house. Abandoning his, his on-the-porch-only posture, he ran into the house and up the stairs where he encountered his neighbor staring at a naked uh, kitty lying on her side, on her front side, in an empty bathroom. Bathtub, I should say. Oh my God, he was quoted then trying to find a pulse in the cold body, and then shortly after, what am I going to tell my boys? Hmm. The next day, pathologists from Will County conducted an autopsy on Kitty's mortal remains. Interestingly, the autopsy reported asserted that the postpartum took place at 2.20 p.m. on March 1, 2004. Hmm. This, of course, was five hours before the neighbors found Kitty Peterson's body in the empty bathtub. And results of the autopsy would be very controversial in the years to come. So do remember that, guys. Yeah. Dr. Brian Mitchell, a pathologist under contract to Will County, two Illinois uh, police investigators, Bob Deal and Bill Belcher. <laughs> yeah, you I wonder go. if he's related to Tina Belcher. <laughs> uh, these, two, these two investigators attended uh, in, as observers as this was um, out of the hands of the Bolingbroke police as it involved the conflict of interest in the ex-wife of one of their own, who was one of the people that found her body. Mitchell quickly discerned the cause of Kitty's death. He said it was drowning. He found water in the sinuses as well as lung damage, typically associated with drowning. Those factors, coupled with the fact that Kitty's long dark hair had been damp at the time the body was discovered, suggested that the drowning had occurred in the bathtub. The 
fact that the tub had been empty of water at the time of the discovery suggested that the bathwater had drained out. And this was in time uh, between the death and the discovery of her body. And this seemed to take place many hours prior. But, but get this. Also found in the autopsy was a one-inch bloody laceration to the left rear of her scalp. And in addition, there were numerous other bruises on various areas of the body. Some red indicating recent origin. Or just like saying that it had to, it happened, you know, as uh, it were, they were current on her body. Like it wasn't old, it were recent. Uh, other purple uh, bruises were suggested that somewhat older injuries on top of that. One red bruise was on the buttocks. Three purple bruises were on the lower left abdomen. Abdomen. Oh man, we are just really a long day for us, folks. Long day. Long day. Another purple bruise on the left thigh, and purple bruises were on each shin. Wow, this. this That's kind of fucking hard. Yeah. I hate bruising my shin. Oh god. There were two fresh abrasions on the right wrist. Another on the right index finger, and another red abrasion on the left elbow. Mitchell suggested that uh, Kitty might have slipped while getting on her feet in the tub, falling backwards to crack the back of her head against the rear of the tub, knocking herself unconscious, then submerging herself, submerging herself in the water, there, thereby drowning. So we're gonna play devil's advocate, and as cold as ice, played around with some scenarios and offering why at that point in time. Why Peterson specifically was not found liable with Savio's death. Why her death was still classified as drowning. Despite all of these marks left on her body, it did cast reasonable doubt towards that finding. But that said, like, if it was a murder, how could it have happened and when? Kitty was by herself in a locked house when discovered. And again, they had found, the neighbors had found it unlocked. So, you know, it's kind of a... Uh, Differing accounts uh, for that, but for murder, someone would have to gain access to the house, surprise Kitty, force her to take her clothes off to get her in a bathtub and hold her underwater. Indeed, Kitty would have stopped the attack if it ever got that far. We would like to think, you know, in that kind of, you know, that that pre uh, presented danger, you know, you're going to try to stave off and fight as best as you can. But here's the thing. At the time, and according to the uh, coroner, there was no evidence of any such resistance. No scraping of skin under her nails. No evidence of disarray in the bedroom or other areas of the house. There was no evidence of forced entry. All the doors and all the windows were locked. And Peterson, the most logical su suspect, given the marital history, had no keys to the house because Kitty had changed all the locks after he moved out. Interesting. But what if the time of death, which they originally stated was 2 p.m. that Monday, March 1st, 2004, was actually, let's say, 1 a.m. Sunday morning and 7 p.m. Sunday evening. Uh -huh. As Peterson was at the Shed Aquarium throughout much of the day, that further suggested that if Peterson had somehow gained entry to the house to commit this murder, it had to have been in the middle of the night sometime between 1 a.m. and 8 a.m. Of course, Peterson soon asserted um, that he was asleep at his house during these hours, and Stacy was there to back him up. Thereafter, he was busy taking the boys and apparently Stacy to the aquarium in Chicago. 
And the reason we bring up the time of death is because there's going to be a very, very, very huge factor down the road. But we'll leave that with part two. So and and also to, to, to chime in, there's a very, and, and, and right at that last sentence, last couple of sentences, Stacy had told investigators that she had provided that uh, Peterson was asleep and she was in her vicinity as that, you know, as everything had occurred. So that is also a very, very huge factor um, as we go along in this story. But leave it back to you, Cami B. Oh, yeah. We got a lot of stuff we have to oh, discuss boy. after part two. Because from what we've talked about so far, this seems like a pretty set in stone case. Other than the fact who actually steps on the bathtub to get out of it or in it. Like, I'm sorry. I don't step on the rim of it. And yeah. I don't know. But... Back to our story. Um, before we actually leave on this part, coming to an end, um, Kitty actually would tell her sister six weeks before her death that she believed Drew would kill her. And she begged her sister to take care of her two sons. She said, quote unquote, that she said that Drew told her that he was going to kill her. She was not going to make it to the divorce settlement and she would not get his pension or his children. That's what she told her sister. And then her, what she was saying was she made me promise over and over that I would take care of her boys over and over. What her sister continued to say is she said, I want to hear you say it because everything's going to them. Mm. And it, 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 my bad. it ended. Yeah. And right. And it is mirrors what uh, uh, Connolly, his second wife, would say, you know, as I was thinking of you saying that, he said, I can, you know, I can make sure you die and make it look like an accident. And, you know, it's just very, very ominous tones. Like she just knows that the end is near. And that said, if you guys think it's gotten bad now, just wait until part two. We've been talking about part two for like fucking like, I don't know how many times the show we yeah. take a take a shot for every time take a shot for every time we said part two. You guys will probably be dead halfway. But wait until part two comes out because boy, y'all ain't seen shit. So this is gonna be fun, guys. Yeah. It's gonna be it's awesome. I, I want to continue this shit. Yeah. So like we we leave and it it's very it's 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 like how we see on unsolved mysteries where it's like an unexplained death. Even though you have you have these circumstances where. It seems like you have a, you know, something questionable. Yes, she was uh, found drowned, but she's got these these bruises. And that the first coroner never really, to me, at least to me, had uh, explained why those bruises were there. Like, she slipped. How the hell did that happen? How the hell did she get on the ones on the shins? And how did she get, what like, she all do, these... slip down the stairs and yeah. up in the basement? Like... Like, what the fuck? That was... From what we described, it wasn't, you know, two bruises, three bruises, four bruises. It was a lot of fucking bruises. Mm -hmm. And if you're slipping into a bathtub and you hit your head and you knock yourself out, you're not going to be flailing around some more. Like, you're knocked the fuck out. Yeah. But, I mean, because, and again, because of the... The time of death that the coroner had ruled, and also the fact that nobody could place Peterson there, it's just, even though you have so much doubt concern, uh, concerning the circumstances, it's ruled as an accidental death. And, you know, if it wasn't for the events that we will talk about in the next episode, this... Part two. 
Part two. This okay, would never. We probably we probably wouldn't be talking about this. So um, again, guys, thank you so much. This has been ten episodes. We've done ten episodes. I never thought we were gonna get this far. And I honestly episodes thought episodes part one. We yeah, part we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna cheat and say this that'll be episode eleven. Episode <laughs> <laughs> ten, part two, eleven. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll flub part it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, when we go to episode fifty and then a hundred and then it's like, oh, this was part two. Like, no, oh that oh. would be fucking fabulous. Oh my god, I can't wait. I'm so stoked. Oh yeah, and and like you know, I did the I was just doing the the uh, just the research for it. It was just so. And like I said, we always try to strive to be as uh, impartial as possible and, you know, try to present the facts as has been reported. But, I mean, it's just very, 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 like, you just get these, what the fuck? Yeah, just what the fuck moments where you're like, yeah. what? It, it's fun It's fun to know humans are still animals. So, yeah. good job, Drew Peterson. Good, good, you're good fucking, job. not a dog, because dogs are cool. You're fucking ugly tarantula. I don't know. Oh, boy. You're... I don't know. Something scary from Australia. That's what you are. <laughs> and 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 on that note, uh, guys, thank again, thank you so much uh, for supporting us. Uh, just all the love and all the good, all that good stuff. And hey, guys, if you got you know any information you guys want to give us, if you got any cases, um, again, you can reach us on Illinois at Bird and Cam on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Gmail. Uh, you can find Cam on Instacam630. You can find me. 630. 630. You can find me on Bird Your Enthusiasm or on the Twitter. On the Twitter. You can find her on I Like Stuff 630 or you can find me on Birdman for America. And on that note, guys, uh, yeah, thanks so much. We'll be back for part two before you even know it. Peace out, Girl Scouts. Peace! Be there, be killed, bitches. Yay! (laughs) That one worked. There we go. And...